Hi there, and welcome back to the uh, last little chapter here of the Magic of Runes series. My name is Arun Jane Rasmussen, I'm a historian of religion, and I'm working with Nordic history of religions as rejected forms of majority animism. You can Patreon support my work and thereby ensuring that it will continue. In um, this video, I will look at esotericism, the thing about secrecy in relation to runes, and I will compare this with another uh, system of religiously charged uh, letters in another religion, that's Judaism, Kabbalah, um, where there, uh, there is this amazing notion of letters as tools of God creating the world. Um, and I will, we use this comparative example to try to understand the runes or to understand seek how secrecy forms um, religious notions of the runes or ha might have formed religious notions of the runes. Right. Um, in the last video, we, we saw this little handful of examples where runes in the Iron Age or Viking Age seem to have been used as magical symbols in inscriptions. In inscriptions. Um, and then the obvious question is, why are there so few instances? There are like thousands of runic inscriptions, if you include the entire period, and I, I mentioned like six, that's very few. Um, this is of course true, it's completely true, but uh, I think there are some circumstances in which these very few cases actually indicate a higher significance. Um, one is that these are just the clear cases, the ones that we can actually recognize in a textual corpus where, for instance, the first half millennia, uh, according to my counting, uh, about 40% of the, of, the, of the corpus is letters doing something seemingly intentionally, intentionally, but not forming words. That's 40% of the first half millennia of uh, inscription, according to my counting. Um, so that is an important context to set these few examples into. Um, um, in, in, in many many of these uh, cases, we can't see what letters are supposed to do, and uh, I think there's a reason for this, uh, and that has to do with secrecy and how religious secrecy typically works. Now, the word rune, incidentally, or perhaps not so incidentally, my name, <laughs> has root meanings associated with something that's secret, something that, that's whispered, a mystery somehow. Uh, and uh, in relation to runes specifically, you do find this call to not speak, to learn runes by being silent, right? In the Havamal, for instance, there is this um, word, this statement that uh, it goes something along the lines of, now it is said that if you ask about runes, uh, the runes that are known by the gods, that are created by the power gods, that the Allfather made, then it is best for man to remain silent. Right? This is the Havamal saying about, if you are asking about runes, if you want to learn runes. So runes are in a sense secrets, uh, what historians of religion sometimes call esoteric knowledge. Um, stuff that you're actually not supposed to talk about or perhaps only talk about in very restricted situations. Um, and this also means that they're doing their magic, if you will, uh, depend on relation to the 
individual user, their, their agency, what they are, <laughs> the, the way they act, uh, is something that's being brought into being through the relation with a specific person using the runes, but not talking the hell of a lot with other people about it properly, probably, right? So, and this is also why, in this kind of religious uh, system, we should not necessarily expect to find too much of a coherent system. And you sometimes see this uh, when you look at esoteric uh, material, that uh, there isn't one consistent system uh, throughout. So uh, in the case of the runes, we have a few examples where the meanings that we know of the rune names seems to represent a kind of magical potency or something like that. But there are very few of these examples, uh, but they're there, and uh, they're important because they give us, I think, a little glimpse into this kind of thinking. But if you look at, for instance, at Sami shamanic reality, then you find uh, that the way reality is constructed, and you can see this on the way that Sami shamans have painted cosmology on their drums, you see that, that, that uh, they, there isn't a very strict system. These uh, different drums, they're very individual. The individual shaman is engaging reality in, in, in his own way, and that is probably an important part of, um, of uh, what shamanism, how shamanism often, uh, often work, right? Um, or noidic craft, I should probably say, when it comes to the Sami. Um, so there might be specific overall characteristics, like, well, for instance, when you look at the runes, you might find repeated symbols, but you shouldn't expect the sort of nicely organized system where the same symbol necessarily means the same all the time, right? Uh, the idea that some stuff is best not, or the idea is that some, some stuff is best not spoken about. And <clears throat> when I look at, at the Iron Age uh, material, for instance, with these strange and incomprehensible juxtaposition of runes, then I think that makes sense, that it's this kind of uh, whispered or secret religiosity that it would produce that kind of an, an, uh, an expression. So, um, so I think that, that uh, you know, considering that the Havamal, well, a later source, but that the Havamal is actually expressing this kind of esotericism, it makes very much, uh, it makes very much sense when you look at the actual, uh, actual material. Uh, now, uh, ironically, exactly the hippies who want runes to be something mystical and magic, I also want this a little bit, <laughs> um, they're also the people, ironically, you know, who produce incredible amounts of communication about the runes. Courses and tables of correspondences and books that explain the whole thing and people titling themselves rune masters and vitkis and tools and saved mothers and whatnot, um, all these lofty titles which really sort of demonstrate that they totally don't understand the basic suggestions of the Havamal, which, where the, <laughs> which is that the basically, if you want to learn runes, the first commandment is silence. Um, perhaps I should just say that I regard, personally, regard these overall scholarly cons uh, considerations as a very different thing. You know, you can bet your ass that I'm not going to start talking about my dreams or what I think specific runes mean or something like that, it's for this exact reason. So, uh, if you are interested in performing uh, rune mysticism, then I would emphasize first that the first commandment is silence. 
Don't write books, blogs, make YouTube videos and go on, go on and on and on about it. It's the diametric, obvious opposite of understanding how esoteric knowledge actually works. So uh, if you want to do esotericism with runes, my recommendation is to avoid all communication that isn't scholarly. Do scholarship, be silent and work yourself down. And uh, I'm going to recommend two books that I think uh, are uh, a good place to start. Uh, the first is uh, The Significance of the Rune Names, which is written by Sandra Silva, uh, Inmaculada Sandra Silva. It's a, P, uh, a PhD thesis, and it can be found in PDF uh, file on the internet. The other is uh, Long Branches, uh, written by Anne Gore Sheffield, and really uh, dense uh, little book I, I, that I totally wish that it was me who wrote. <laughs> anyway, but um, this was a little sidetrack. But and let me just return to the uh, the uh, question of why uh, of why we only have this very small handful of single individual inscriptions where we can recognize uh, uh, that that we can recognize as this single rune sort of magic uh, in, in in the inscription material. Um, and I think my last bit of uh, bit an answer for this question is a counter question and that is how much runic magic would you actually be expecting to see because <clears throat> you shouldn't expect that the, the use of these letters to be an either-or situation that letters are only religiously agented or that they are just lettered letters in our normal sense of dissociated representations of sounds used exclusively for spelling. No, you know, they will be both, uh, because it, other than modern people don't distinguish like this. There, there isn't that sort of distinction between inherent quality and exterior representation. And that is part of the whole point. They're letters forming words, a bit like normal Latin letters are doing it for us, and that is not uh, in opposition to uh, their religious charge. It is the reason that they're also something more than just letters for, uh, forming words. <clears throat> and uh, I will try to uh, um, strengthen this suggestion by comparing to another writing system that has uh, had a uh, has been given a religious charge that I think uh, is, is, is probably a, a good uh, comparison, and that is the system of the Hebrew letters. Um, the Hebrew letters have been, has, have been religiously charged in different ways, uh, but one that I will mention here is the one that's found in one of the foundational works of Jewish mysticism, and that is the Sefer Yetzirah, the, the, the Book of uh, Formation. Uh, it's called, and uh, it is a mystical analysis of how God creates the world through language, through a linguistic operation of letters, basically. Now, we all know that God in the Bible speaks reality into being, right? We, and pardon my Hebrew here. <laughs> it says something like, It means, and God said, there be light, and there was light, right? So the Sefer Yetzirah is sort of an exploration of this Yehi Or, this Fiat Lux, there be light. 
Uh, and God moves the letters, the Hebrew letters, back and forth between each other, and the world emerges from this essentially linguistic uh, process of producing words by letters. It is as if the mystical meaning of the letters, that they are sort of the atoms with which, which God creates the world, that, um, that uh, and I think this is an elegant take on reality uh, as uh, kind of a linguistic con constructivism that you find in Sefer Yetzirah and, and similar work. And the point I want to make is that, that note how the religious nature of the letters rely on their common use in to, to represent language. It isn't distinct from it. It is the very fact that you can combine letters to form the word stone that makes them some kind of fundamentals that God can use to create the world by combining them. You know, he combines these fundamental uh, fun foundational elements and voila, you know, stone emerges. <clears throat> and I'm not saying, mind you, that runes necessarily worked in, in exactly this same way. But uh, a very similar, or no, very, a, a similar, or I, I would say, comparable notion could very well have been there. Uh, if, you, if you look at the uh, 4th century uh, Bible translation from the Gothic uh, Bishop uh, Wulfila, you see that he uses a word for rune, stabes or staffs, as a translation for a Greek word meaning controlling forces of the uni universe, uh, stoikaia, which in the Latin became elementa mundi, foundational elements of reality. Isn't that neat? I always thought that, that you hippies just ought to know that. <laughs> that Wulfila uses the word, a word for runes, starbase, to represent foundational elements of the, of the universe. And, <clears throat> and the point here is just to say that the relation between magic and spelling uh, using these letters is an, is an interesting backdrop for how to understand runes. And, and note, by the way, how the, the, um, the relation between the mass, uh, the mass of text is. And that's, that, that is the, the point, because the starting point here was to say, why are there so few examples of, or examples that we can recognize of this uh, runic magic? Um, so how much is there in, in, in the Jewish situation? The Jewish Kabbalah thinking is probably a high example of religious thinking with letters, letters like God creating the world with letters as his tool, his spelling the world into being. Note, by the way, the um, uh, nice ambiguity in the English word spell there. Um, and, and, but but, but and then let, let us look at the, the entire corpus of, of expression in this language, like rabbinical and classical Hebrew, perhaps uh, Aramaic. How big of a proportion of this whole thing do you think is actually letter magic? Like, there is the Sefer Yetzirah, and there's probably uh, Ashkenazi mysticism, like Elisar Worms, uh, who are, have this thing about moving letters uh, in between each other, perhaps other Kabbalah uh, sort of thinking. Uh, how big of a proportion do you think this is in relation to the entire Jewish literary production in, in, in Hebrew uh, language? I don't know. Let me just say, I don't know, and I'm not even sure that counting would like really be possible, or maybe it would. Um, but I think 
that the proportion of letter magic in relation to the entirety of the Hebrew expression is probably microscopic. In fact, I think that if we would start counting, uh, we would likely find that, that uh, the runes looks like they were probably overwhelmingly magic compared to the, re, uh, the Hebrew letters. But that's just a guess. That's just, just a guess. The, my bottom line is just that there is a small number of unambiguously magical inscriptions. When there is the small number of these, then that is not insignificant when you look at the nature of this expression and how we would expect it to work in the context of, of the entire uh, language space is a highly significant indication of magical thinking when it comes to runes. So significant, in fact, that I think, you know, I think somebody should research on it. Uh, I think um, someone should actually uh, look more at the possible connections. Now, now uh, uh, to um, uh, other uh, writing systems in the in the context where the runes emerged. Now runes have uh, you know uh, sadly been uh, exposed to this uh, appropriation by these more or less retarded uh, nationalist uh, ideologies, but they emerged in, in out of an extremely multicultural setting in the Roman Empire, where Northern Europeans interacted with many different peoples and their writing systems. Not only Romans, but also Greeks and Jews and Phoenicians and uh, different kinds of Italic writing systems and so on. Um, and I suspect that along thorough look at the possible kinds of letter mysticism that was present, present in this context of intense cultural encounter could possibly teach us something about the runes in their emergent stages. For instance, is it a coincidence that there's a Frisian inscription uh, of the god named Ingus, which seems conspicuously similar to this Jewish tradition of permutating the tetragrammaton, meaning moving the letters in and out between each other of, of the four-letter four uh, name of God? Um, is it a coincidence that there are these relations of meaning between the runes in the early fourth arc? There seems to be a structuring thought somehow behind the, the way the runes are placed in the fourth arc. I'm almost tempted to suggest a cosmological nature or something like that. Is it a coincidence? Is it a coincidence that when uh, European religion is implemented in Scandinavia, uh, in Christianization, then Judeo-Gnostic sort of expression seems to have been highly compatible with notions of the runes. So immediately you find a lot of this uh, European magical expression with runes. You find the so-called rune letters, little formulas that are, um, have uh, names of weird demons in them, and you find magical words like Sator, Arepo formulas and Agla formulas. These are written with runes and this, the, the magic of, of the first um, period there. The first Christian period, and well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> to not be rhetoric when I'm asking, is it a coincidence? Because it might actually be a coincidence. You know, as you can hear, I totally have my own preference. I want wanting runes to be something deeply mystical and powerful and magical. Uh, but you know, understanding shit is also being a little bit aware of your own preferences and perhaps having a bit of humility towards uh, what you're looking at. Um, so, uh, yeah, I suspect, let me say it like that, I suspect, that, for instance, that notion of, notions of runes were ripe 
for a very similar kind of European religiosity when Christianity was consolidated in Scandinavia. Um, I, I would really like somebody to take up the thread and look at forms of letter mysticism that may have existed around the beginning of our time in the Roman Empire, Jewish, Phoenician, and so on. You know, the Romans had something called sortes, a kind of letter-based uh, divination system. Uh, and I suspect if you looked at it, you might go and find something really bloody spectacular. L that perhaps the emergence of the runes itself were, was somehow influenced by these religious mo uh, modes of uh, thinking with letters. Like, it always struck me as a, a little bit too remarkable coincidence that uh, that the first source that describe uh, some Germanic priesthood divining with these, they don't call, they're not called runes, they're called note, um, that, that it, it happens at exact, like runes is a writing system that was inspired by Roman period uh, or um, Roman writing systems. And it's a Roman who described these demonics using this uh, form of divination in Tacitus, where there's some priests looking at three different note symbols, um, and <clears throat> and uh, it has been said that this the particular form of divination might be similar to Roman kinds of divination called sortes. Is it? You know, there seem to be many connections, so somehow, and uh, I think um, I think somebody should explore this for the purpose of understanding the basically the emergence of the rooms. Anyway, thanks a lot. I hope I'll be able to return to this topic uh, with uh, videos about the magic of runes. Perhaps uh, the magic of runes uh, as it's uh, represented in textual manuscript material and ballad material. And um, I hope I'll, I'll be able to make a video about that. Um, uh, and at some point I will make a video about runes and divinations. So uh, there are more hippie goodies coming up. And uh, let me just say thank you to everybody who, uh, who are um, patrons supporting my work here and uh, um, particularly to the, uh, the people who are taking a high peer uh, patron support. Uh, for me, it's uh, really highly appreciated. So uh, thank you very much and see you around.